The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live. Turning the spotlight on the big issues and the people behind them. Nine minutes after eight here on AM Live and time for the forum. Now, this morning we were meant to focus on issues around race relations in our schools in South Africa. And uh, many people observe that while uh, some white schools have become black, as it were, due to white flight, uh, black schools have not changed in terms of their racial distribution or learners and teachers. And and, and that was meant to be our focus this morning. But of course, you know, um, we just learned before uh, the eight o'clock news bulletin from our reporter Jacques Steenkamp that indeed uh, the situation at Rudapur Primary has turned absolutely chaotic. Now this situation has been unfolding over a period of time and um, we, we, we tried to get to the bottom of it. Yesterday the Department of Education came out and they said well you know it, it's not really about racism so what is it really about what is going on at Rudapur Primary? So we'll speak to Jacques, who is on the scene, and we'll also speak to Ms. Um, Pumla Sekonyela of the Department of Education to find out, to try and get a picture of what is happening there and, and, and possibly get to the bottom of it as to why we are seeing the sort of scenes that we are at Rudapur Primary. And of course, the lines are open. You can call in on 0891-104-208. Would love to hear from you, especially if you are affected by this, if you're one of the parents or if you live in the area and can give us another account of this particular problem. And uh, you can also tweet or Facebook us at AM Live on SAFM or uh, SMS 34701. But first off, uh, let's just go back to Rudapur Primary where our reporter Jacques Steenkamp is standing by. Jacques? Good morning. Now, uh, before the news break, uh, you were telling us about, you know, uh, rubber bullets being fired and just a very chaotic scene being painted. What's happening right now? Currently, the police cordoned off a big part of Wachner Street next to the school. Uh, the parents are quite sitting uh, around, so they're very angry at the police's reaction to what happened. When I got here this morning, just after six, there were a bunch of kids and parents standing across the road at a corner waiting for the bus, all peaceful. And then uh, a bunch of uh, the community started coming, arriving across the road, and they basically said they're not going to allow the bus to take the kids anywhere. So when the buses arrived, they all marched up the street, tried to stop the buses peacefully, basically. But then the police asked the kids and stuff waiting to walk up the street towards the buses. And that meant that to walk through the, the, the blockade, blockade of their parents. And then violence erupted. People started hitting each other. I saw uh, a man hitting a woman. I saw a bunch of kids in the mix, like, falling around. Um, it was quite chaotic. Um, but the kids got on the bus. The parents then tried to block the bus. They used their bodies sitting in front of the bus, blocking it so the bus can't move. Um, someone did throw a stone, and then the police started shooting, opening fire with rubber bullets. Uh, and this, after that, the parents basically came down to the school, tried to, to get open the gate, pounding on the gates and stuff. And then again, the police started... When the police car arrived, they unpacked a bunch of um, uh, guns with rubber bullets and stuff. One police officer actually got angry with me taking photos of what he was doing, telling me I'm not allowed to do that, but obviously, you know, I'm allowed to do that. Um, and then all hell broke loose. I got a massive fright because two stun grenades went off, and it sounded like a massive explosion. Uh, we didn't expect that. And then the shots just rang. They started shooting, like, around the place. Um, like I said earlier, one elderly man at 63 was on the ground screaming, crying and screaming. I will upload a video on uh, Twitter just now about him, how he's crying. I took photos of his wound. He's got two closely, two, two uh, bullet wounds from the rubber bullets on his, on his leg. I did phone year 24. They did come and fetch him now. Um, but now, it's like I said, it's a bit quieter at the moment. 
but you know there was people threatening that if the police shoot at them, they're going to fetch their weapons. And a few people have told me that these guys are serious, they are angry, so anything can happen now. So it's probably depending on the police now, how they're going to respond to this. Are they going to keep the peace or are they going to start shooting again? What's going to happen next? So with things uh, slightly subsiding there for the moment, at least, uh, Jacques, where are the children? Well, the majority of the children, some of the children went just on a bus this morning. There are still here and there are children. I think most of the parents are keeping the children indoors at the moment for what's happening. So some of the children actually did get on the bus to go to school? Yeah, they, they gave, some children got on the bus. It was mostly the black, black kids. There was a few colored uh, kids in between. I spoke to one parent who said yesterday she was scared of putting her child on a bus, sending him to the middle of nowhere, not knowing what's going to happen. But she spoke to a neighbor who basically told her her kid came back and said that she felt at ease and she did send her child to school. But some of the parents are trying to try to stop these parents from sending these kids to school. But a large portion of kids did get on the bus this morning. Now, of course, you know, many of us struggling to, you know, uh, find out, like, what is actually the root cause of what we are seeing at Rodepoor Primary this morning. Are you any clearer as to exactly what is going on there, Jacques? Well, the thing is, it comes down to the, 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 the principal and the deputy principal at school. Apparently, the people feel they're corrupt, and, and now the, the education department is trying to hide the corruption by you know, blaming on racism and stuff like that. Um, but I'm, I'm right next to me is Harold Strauss. He's the former deputy principal of the school. And, I mean, he said his wife yesterday almost died, but he also said he knows exactly what is happening, and he can probably shed more light on what's, gonna, what's happening with the whole corruption thing. So let's hear from um, Mr. Harold Strauss, who is, of course, the former deputy principal at Rwadapur Primary. Uh, Mr. Strauss, thanks so much for joining us this morning. Good morning. Now, Mr. Strauss, you know, as someone who has been there, are you able to please paint, a, a, you know, a clearer picture for us about the trouble at Rudaport Primary and how and where it all began? Um, good morning, ma'am. Um, I've been the deputy principal at the institution for 19 years, and I was also acting as a principal at the time. And um, you know what? Um, the Department of Education, they they apparently promoting inclusion um, in the mainstream. What they are saying is that disabled people must be allowed to attend school in, in the mainstream. And I think that's not really the case. They are really discriminating against disabled people. And, um, you know, the problem started when, when my application form was submitted to the district office and uh, some of my documents were, were removed from the, the application form. And uh, what the district officials were saying is that I'm incompetent, I can't complete a form. But what, I'm, what I would like to say here is that um, there is no racial undertones. Understand me, please. There are no racial undertones in Davidson Road. There are undertones of corruption. And the MEC and the district director, I'm going to specifically mention his name, Mr. Dennis McCocker, they are trying to cover up their corrupt tracks, the tracks by using racism. You know what, man? Yesterday I almost lost my wife. And I simply felt this morning, you know, I'm, I'm still going to get to the hospital. I simply felt this morning that um, I've been in hiding for too long. I, I think I need to get out there and the people out there need to hear what the truth is. Definitely, ma'am, I'm telling you that the district, the district D12, they are corrupt and, and they disrespect for, 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 for all people in this country and as, as well as Especially, I want all disabled people out there to hear this. They disrespect, they, 
There's no respect for disabled people because I was even called a cripple. A cripple. I mean, we're 20 years in, in democracy. 20 years in democracy. And how can we, how can we still discriminate against black, white, disabled people? District D12, they, they, they are definitely discriminating against disabled people. And really, man, there are no, no, no undertones of, of racia. Well, you know, it, 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 it's difficult to uh, actually believe that given the scenes that have been playing out. But before I come to that, let's just move a step back. You say that your application, um, the, some documents were removed from your application. How do you know yes. that? Man, when I lodged the grievance, we went to the offices and at this, um, I can't remember what, it, what it's called now, where all the officials was part of the, the shortlisting process all of them were sitting there. My supposed, supposed to be representative then was Natosa, my rep. The rep was in, collude, in collusion with him. He wasn't even present. One of the officials that was present, a labor relations officer then, he is a neighbor. He, I showed him. I showed him what I picked up. And you know what he did? He told me, he invited me to his house the afternoon to tell me that, Harold, this is what you must do. Lodge another grievance. So I've lodged another grievance, and two or three weeks later, the same guy came back to me to tell me that um, when I lodged my grievance, the window period, to, uh, the window period for, for me lodging a grievance was closed, and that was not the case. That was definitely not the case. So I'm telling you here, yeah, I'm happy where I'm working now, because I'm sick and tired of the MEC and his clan to constantly mention my name, my name in the media, because I have a disability. It is not the MEC's business. It's not the district, district director's business. If I'm disabled or not, I'm not incompetent. You know what, ma'am? I've been working with the principal for two years, and for two years the school was functional. When I left the institution, this is when things went wrong. This is when things went wrong. So now every time they want to, it is as if I'm standing, at, I'm standing behind the community to do this. I'm, where I'm working presently, I'm very, very happy. But what I am saying here, ma'am, I was in hiding for too long. I almost lost my wife yesterday because of Dennis Makoka. Well, well, what are, do you mean by that? What happened to your wife? Man, they were victimized yesterday. She almost died of a heart attack yesterday in the staff room. You know what happened? So the your teacher, wife is also a were, teacher at the school? My wife is a teacher at the same school. She's the HUD. And at the same institution, man, the, her colleagues were standing around her. And you know what the director did? He did not show any, any remorse. He wasn't even concerned whether she's still alive. He simply called those teachers back into the, in the staff room to tell them to come and get um, their, their letters because they had to move to, to this new institution where they're sending the children to. Now, um, I'm just trying to understand, you know, given everything that has unfolded, um, did you, would you say that your situation uh, was in any way, you know, a catalyst for what we are seeing now, where people decided to uh, perhaps take sides and uh, support you in um, showing themselves in the way that they are doing right now? Ma'am, I don't really think so. You know what happened in the first season? Um, I worked with a lady. And the lady did not, you know, she wasn't prepared to work with the community. Which but lady? That's what happened. The, 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 the new appointed principal. She wasn't willing to embrace the community. If you move into a new community, even as a neighbor, you must embrace your neighbors. And this lady 
simply refused to embrace the community. So what, you know, what, what sparked this problem was the community didn't um, simply worry when the, the second deputy principal was appointed. Not one of the teachers at the institution were then shortlisted. I mean, you're working at a school, they've applied for the, um, for the post, and not one of them was shortlisted. Not for me to say that it's compulsory, compulsory for them mm-hmm. to be shortlisted. In, when my post was, was advertised, Yes. When my post was exercised, this is exactly the same, the same thing happened. I mean, the teachers at the institutions, nobody at the institution was shortlisted for this position. And I think this, this simply sparked this whole, this whole scenario. Mm. And uh, just before I let you go, you're saying that this is not racial, but why is it then that black and colored parents are clearly, you know, divided along a line and having a go at one another? I'm going to ask you a question. If you call up Enviso as the MEC, what are you going to do? You will go into each and every community, and you are going to try and get all those people in all those communities and have meetings, even if you must call meetings, to get those people to, where the, to the venue where the Enviso is going to take place. The MEC did not do that in Davidson. So where is the racial, where is racism starting? Why did the MEC only go to, to our townships to go and mobilize? This is what they did. They mobilized, they mobilized the parents in the community. Parents were passed in, but nobody, nobody did not even use a loud hail in Davidsonville to make an announcement to tell people what the problem is. Well, uh, Mr. So Harold, at the end of the day, you know, yes. Um, unfortunately, we're going to leave it there. We'll let you go for now. But, the, but thank you so much okay. for shedding some light on uh, this particular matter. That was Harold Strauss. He's a former, a former deputy a principal at Rudapur Primary. And uh, we also have on the line uh, Ms. Pumla Sekonyane from uh, the uh, Gauteng Department of Education. Thank you so much for your time this morning as well. Good morning, Sakina, and thank you for having me. Now, you must uh, be concerned about what's currently happening out at Rodeport Primary. We are very, very concerned, Sakina. And um, for us, what is more important than anything is the education of the children. We have said on a number of times that let us sit around the table, let us resolve our issues, but please let the education of children continue. What has led to this drastic step that we have had to take to move these children is the fact that there is no teaching and learning and that is taking place at that school. Our curriculum... Um, section has done an analysis on the work that has been done by these children and we actually found that um, they are doing currently they are doing work that was supposed to have been completed in April, May already. And so um, as the Premier said, you know, we could not postpone the education of these children any further. Hence the decision to take them to Lutheran whilst a task team is going to be set up to try and mediate um, between the school and the community. Well, uh, that particular plan uh, seems to have backfired going by what we have seen or heard of this morning. So so uh, clearly, you know, some people feel that uh, that step to actually close the school down temporarily was too drastic. Well, our view is that um, what is more important is that 
children continue to learn. And as we speak to you now, majority of the children are at Luferin and they are learning. From yesterday, there was peace there. Teaching and learning was continuing there. And again, we appeal to parents, think about the children. Think about the future of your children. Some of these children are supposed to be right. I mean, all of them are supposed to be writing the annual national assessment um, in September. Some of them are going to high school next year. So let's just set aside our differences, let the children continue to to learn, come around the table, and let's talk. When you say the majority of children actually did go to school this morning, um, what, uh, how many, what percentage would you peg that at? Well, we've improved a lot today. We're sitting around 1,000. Yesterday we were at 700 um, attendants at Luferin. And this morning we were informed by our district officials that we're sitting around about a thousand um, learners that have attended today. A thousand out of how many? A thousand out of one thousand two hundred And 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 uh, just coming back to the situation at Rodeport Primary, what are you currently doing to try and defuse that situation? Well, we're working very closely with the law enforcement agency to just try and uh, make sure that children are actually able to get into the buses, go to the place of learning um, without any disturbance. Of course, we did have uh, some commotion this morning um, that the police um, had to deal with. Um, but also we are getting reports that you know some of the children actually want to go to school. Some of the children want the parents to allow them to go to school. And that's why we are saying that parents, please think about the future of your children. Let the children go to school whilst we sit and we talk about any issues that we differ on. Mm. And just before I let you go, um, just an opportunity to respond uh, to the allegations that were levelled against uh, some district officials uh, by Mr. Strauss. Well, um, there was no intimidation at the meeting. Again, we got a report that um, all the educators were called in just to be officially informed about the fact that they have to report at Luferin. They were given informing them and um, the report we got was that um, Mrs. Strauss did have a, a clinical anxiety attack at the time and she was taken to the hospital. And his allegation that uh, you actually essentially fueled this uh, racial tension by bussing in parents and uh, not alerting others to the fact that there would be a meeting taking place. There is no truth to that. Every time we have had meetings there, we have informed um, all the community members, including the Davidson Community Forum. We, with the one um, um, that the Premier attended on Friday, we did do loud hailing. I can even show you receipts where we had to print um, posters to inform people of Davidsonville that there is going to be this meeting. And by the way, that tent was full to capacity. Um, when the Premier was there. So there is no truth that we inform only one section and not the other section of the community. So what's the way forward now? Well, the way forward is cooperation from the parents. The way forward is setting up this um, mediation team comprising of community leaders as well as religious leaders. And we ask for cooperation because as soon as we get cooperation from the parents, from the community structures, we will be able to resolve this and we will be able to go back to the school.
Well, Ms. Pumla Sekonyane, thank you so much. Uh, spokesperson for the MEC uh, Department of Education in Gauteng. And uh, we're talking about what's going on at Rudapur Primary at the moment. So uh, this morning, the parents, they came to blows in front of their children, as reported uh, by Jacques Dienkamp, who is on the scene. And it would seem that things have gone from bad to worse. And uh, there's accusations flying around, all sorts of allegations being made. And what is the way forward though how do we resolve what is going on at Rudapur primary is it a matter of uh, racial tension uh, that has just uh, basically blown over or uh, what exactly do you think needs to be done in order to move this situation forward um, here's uh, an SMS from a Singh who's an ex-teacher wants to know was the SGB actively involved in the appointment of the principal Jonathan says SK South Africans are gradually losing their cool heads for aggression, violence and irrational behavior. What is happening? Is it, it was xenophobia and now it's Rudapur primary. Clive Hatch says uh, the more that government interferes in the running of schools, the more chaos we have. Do you agree with those views as expressed by some of our uh, listeners? Do tell us. Uh, 891 is the call-in number. You can also tweet us at uh, AM Live on SAFM, SMS 34701. And we'll try and upload um, some of the uh, pictures and also the, uh, audio, uh, the visuals that Jacques actually took this morning and will upload them on Twitter. You can follow Jacques, um, his Twitter handle at Jacques Stienkamp. And what he described, seriously, seriously worrying. Uh, parents just losing their cool, uh, you know, talking about going to get their weapons, uh, police shooting, and all of this happening in front of primary school children. So what does all of this mean? Uh, raises many, many a question. The lines are open 891 208. Let us know what your views are. And I guess, um, you know, it would be helpful if we could come up with possible solutions, uh, possible strategies that could be employed to help the situation at Rudapurt uh, Primary. We have uh, Louise van Rijn on the line. Uh, she's the founder and CEO of Symphonia for South Africa. Now, Symphonia is a group of organizations that are committed to sustainable transformation of people, teams, companies, organizations and communities throughout the world. Um, Louise, thanks so much for your time this morning. Thank you. It's a great opportunity to be here. Well, not a great subject that we are looking at, especially the context in which we are having this discussion. But, you know, what's happening at Rudapurt Primary at the moment, how would you define the problem? See, I think think Rudapurt Primary is one example of a much deeper cause. It's kind of the symptom of a deeper cause. And I was just reading this morning about uh, some of the issues that we now have around um, corruption charges around principles and financial mismanagement, etc. So if you would allow me to just quickly go and just look at uh, some of the kind of root cause for this. We, the role of a school principal in an under-resourced school, such as Redford Primary, is without any doubt one of the most critically, critical roles in our country, critical readership roles and management roles, and it is one of the most complex roles. So we've been working with 331 principals so far and, and hope to work with many more in the future. But one of the things that we found is that most school principals are, are appointed into their roles without having the knowledge and skills to deal with these very, very complex, multi-stakeholder roles. 
and that you know they were teachers and they knew how to run a classroom and they knew how to teach English or maths or whatever it is what they taught and now they are managers and leaders of a school with very many different stakeholders with different requirements different expectations and we heard some of that in the in the, in the in the people that spoke before is that there are many stakeholders who now feel that they've not been taken along on the journey or mm. they've, they've not been engaged with you know when we when we have so what we do in our program is we partner business leaders with knowledge and skills about around management and leadership with principals to see whether we can strengthen and we we've been very successful in some cases strengthen the management and leadership capacity of these principals because it's not fair it's not fair that they are being put in situations where they've not been equipped for the task. Now, if you had to have anybody with that kind of level of complexity in a large corporate, let's say, you know, a bank like NetBank, we would have taken 10 years to prepare that person for that role. We would have, take, you know, carefully taken them on this leadership development journey and prepared them with the skills and the knowledge. And when I get people who have been on a 10-year leadership trajectory at NetBank and they get presented, confronted with some of the challenges that that principal at, at Redwood Primary is confronted with at the moment, they also, oh my goodness, this is much bigger or much more difficult than anything I've ever seen before. If, if you put yourself in that situation, go and, you know, step into that melting pot and, and, and see whether you have the answers. None of us have the answers. I have a doctorate. I have four degrees. I have 30 years of management experience. I don't think I have the knowledge and skills to how to deal with that. So we are asking principals across our country every day to do roles that they genuinely just don't have the knowledge and skills for, and that's what we need to look at. And then they are supported, supposedly supported by, by school governing bodies, which often don't have people who know how to do this either. So the difference between the schools that work and the schools that don't in this country, 5,000 of our schools are fabulous, world-class schools. In those schools, we have strong principals who have been equipped with the knowledge and skills to lead those schools, and we have strong support from professional accountants and finance and HR and legal and everything. We don't have that in these under-resourced schools. And that's what we need to, that's what we need to attend to. Louise Van Ryan, uh, please stay on the line for us as we try and navigate uh, this minefield. If you're going to tweet, uh, do ha- use the hashtag uh, Rodeport Primary. And um, let me read through some of those messages before I go to the lines. Uh, this one here from Yuri uh, Trishkov says, um, uh, at Bonolo79 says, what is happening at Rodeport Primary is what the legacy of apartheid really looks like. Luandile Damane says, the situation in Rodeport is seriously getting out of hand now. What's up? And then um, Namudi Makula says, the parents at Rudaport Primary are crazy. How do you prevent your kids from going to school? Kulu SD's contribution, our divided past as a nation was never reconciled. The gaping wounds were never healed. And now the cracks are getting exposed. Debza Ian Mashiko says, I think uh, Rudaport Primary could have been handled better than uh, than this. Uh, Panyaza failed to address this matter and opted to close the school, albeit temporarily. Uh, Phobi Maupa says, uh, if it's not racism, then why are coloreds attacking blacks? Jabu says, it's simply a lack of governance. South Africa should be having systems and processes to manage such cases, such as Rwadapurt Primary School, which resonates with what Louise was just saying. And then Gildo Mate says, that's why we take our kids to private schools to avoid 
this type of drama. Bistola Titi Masindi says, I think the parents should let the children go uh, to uh, Lufereng while they sort out the mess at Wurdapurt. They don't have anything to lose. And Francis Idris says, I think at times we assume that children know nothing. It's time for parents to stop misrepresenting them and give them a chance to talk. What are your views? 0891-104-208. Zolile in Soweto, good morning. Good morning. Two concerns. The gentleman that ex-deputy yes. made logic in his argument. But uh, understandably, he may have been a bit emotional and stressed because of what he says that happened. But he made sense to me in mapping out how he sees the problem. My problem is with the lady that represents the MEC. She's not making sense at all to me. Now, I do understand our country is managed on crisis all the time. So that is a microcosm also happening with our country. Now, short of detail, we can't, from the other end of the telephone, try to make any semblance of some diagnosis of what's going on, let alone give advice. But we depend on the lady from the MEC office to help us make sense of what's happening. She hasn't said how she defines the problem at all. Yeah. All she does is just to react and respond to everything that is happening around. And we, it, she doesn't make sense to me to just say, we want to make sure the education of the child, everybody does, we all do. But she must tell us what the problem is and why that definition of the problem prescribed the way that they are intervening. Mm. So she doesn't make sense at all. And I would like to ask is that you I'm speaking to. Yes, 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 I, it is. I was trying to shout as much as I can to say, please ask her, what is the definition of a problem? <laughs> I was praying that you do, but you didn't. Please ask her to define the problem as she sees it and then rationalize the intervention that she has come upon. Zolile, right now I take, I agree with you, it's clear as mud. Because nobody seems to be able to explain exactly what the problem is. When you ask, is it racism? Some say yes, some say no, and then everybody says no, it isn't. If it isn't that, you know, what exactly is this fight about? Is it because uh, the the, the deputy uh, 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 former deputy principal was not appointed? Um, He says no, you know, he's walked away from that situation. He's happy where he's at. So what exactly is going on at the school? Um, But, you know, I take Louise's point very strongly that there needs to be greater empowerment um, for the principals for them to run these schools properly. Sure. Louise gave the best analysis, but it's also assumptive. It's assumptive from her experience and her experience of intervention, but still it's assumptive. We don't know what's going on at that school. Mm. So this sort of thing should present to us the facts and know how to respond. I'm sure once they understand it, we will also know what the facts are, Zolile, and what exactly is going on at Rodeport Primary. But thanks so much, Zolile, calling from Soweto. Let's go to the Eastern Cape now. Eitanachas, Piwa, good morning. Hi, Sakina. And look, I think the previous caller has not been following the developments at Rodeport. I'm in the Eastern Cape, and unfortunate part is that he's in Gauteng. Look, Sakina... <laughs> First and foremost, I was surprised by the deputy principal's uh, posture in raising the issue of corruption when, in the first place, when they were unhappy with the appointment of black principal and the two deputies, uh, in, because this, this is the crux of the matter, that they were not happy with the appointment of that principal and that deputy. Secondly, they claim that the recruitment process has not has been flawed. Surprisingly, mm. they, even, they even accused the principal of mismanaging school funds. 
but to put the record straight again, and I'm not speaking here on behalf of the Department of Education, and it's just a pity that person of the department didn't raise this issue. Just to put the record straight, all the allegations made by most of those parents, including the recruitment procedures in the appointment of that school principal, were subjected to an independent forensic audit investigation done by KPMG. And that report cleared the principal and indicated that the process followed in the appointment of the principal and the two deputy principals complied with the relevant policies and legislation. Secondly, second, I strongly believe that that, that, that crisis in that school has got racist undertones, which to me underpinning this unfortunate and misguided disruptions because in the first place, most of those parents, in particular those colored parents, every time when you listen to them, even in the media, in particular electronic media, they are raising the issue that why the appointment process did not yield results into the appointment of a current person. And quite honestly, if they are raising that, that shows that there are racist undertones. And I think as South Africans, we must condemn this behavior. And I think stakeholders, in particular in Rodebot, must sit down so that they ensure the culture of learning and teaching in that school. Because you find people who are still backward, who still want to have a country that is more divided. And I think we must not do that. But two issues that I think must happen in that school, and in particular in that community, I think there must be a process of integrating all those communities in that school. Secondly, there must be a diversity program for all the parents of Rodan Primary School, not only the parents, but also the broader community, because it's seems as if the other people are still living behind. Mm. And, 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 and again, um, uh, thank you for those points, uh, Spiwo. It's it, it's not something that's peculiar to Rudapur Primary. And, uh, you know, again, I want to come back to this issue of the racial undertones and, and, and what that actually means. Um, when you say people are backward, they need to get over themselves. Again, you know, when we get into that sort of territory, um, things just become even more emotional. But what are your views on what is being said this morning? Paul in Kempton Park. Good morning, Sakina. How are you? Well, and you, Paul? I'm well, thanks. Look, this gentleman who have just spoken has covered me largely. I was listening to Mr. Strauss. Uh, interestingly, Mr. Strauss was working with his wife when he was the deputy principal and his wife is, a, is an HOD. For me, that makes a bit of corruption to have your wife in the same school in the management. Secondly, the grievances which he spoke about were subjected to an independent investigation by a credible institution. And no wrongdoing was found mm. in relation to the processes of appointment in that particular school. Now, he must then tell us, if, and I've been watching this thing over the media, parents in that community have been consistently saying to the nation, appoint a colored principal or appoint a colored deputy principal. If that is not racism, what do we call it? If you tell the nation that the department has appointed a person of a particular color, what is that? I mean, clearly this is racism. Because in my view, all the grievances that the community had were subjected to investigation, not even by the department, by a very credible institution. And all of us must accept the findings uh, as, as presented by that institution. All I'm saying is, parents in that community, please take your children to school. 
The spokesperson of the department, without speaking on behalf of the department, says majority of the learners are in the new premises. I mean, that's a demonstration of the will of the people. Majority of them want their children to go to school and learn, and people must sober up. Take your children to the new premises, and a new process of engagement must start so that a lasting solution can be found. Thank you so much. Uh, Paul in Kempton Park. Let's go to uh, Claude in Ennerdale. Good morning. Good morning, ma'am. How are you? Well, and you? Okay, ma'am, ma'am. Listen, ma'am, I don't think people actually see uh, uh, the real thing that's actually going on. Davidson will only got one school in that area, and that area was mostly dominant colors. And the school was taught in Afrikaans and English. And we need to look at the invasion of the other uh, cultures' rights to see and have a look. Uh, because if I go to, to, to Soweto and I put a, 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 a white principle there, then if the people don't accept it, will they also say it's racism? What give the people what they actually ask to give them? Because they feel they can better communicate with the, with the colored principle or put the white principle. Like the lady said, it wasn't about color, it's about education for the children. At the end of the day, my brother had to remove his, uh, his, his daughter out of uh, Davidsonville School and place her into a school that, which is stable at this moment, which I feel is wrong. And now this child has to wake up early in the mornings, travel with the bus to school, which I feel is very unfair. So he removed his daughter, why again? From Davidsonville School. Mm-hmm. Why? because of the things that's going on at the school. And, it's, and, and if children can't read and write when they go to, to high school, that's a big problem. Because most of, the, most of our people, colored people, are not that highly, like they say, highly educated. We're sitting with this problem for years and years coming on. If you ask another parent, why do, uh, the other day you ask the parent, whose problem is it if a child is, cannot read? It's partly the parent's fault and the educator's fault. So they need to have a look into this problem. Give the people what they would really like to give so they can communicate better with the the principal. If they feel the school is going behind and the children are going behind, then we need to get adults also involved in the education. Claude, let me ask the question to you this way. Do you believe that, you know, um, bringing a black principal and black teachers into the school has somewhat, somewhat compromised the quality of education at the school? I would not think so, but what I would think so, it's, it's going to go into a cultural thing because uh, they would not feel threatened that says, all right, here's a black teacher, can she speak Afrikaans? Can she speak uh, 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 fluent Afrikaans? Can she teach in Afrikaans? Or can she speak English? Can she speak fluent English? And that's where the problem is starting. And that's what the parents are looking at. My child is speaking Afrikaans at home. And when my child comes home and she is speaking, talk about something that I do not understand, in English maybe, and I'm not uh, English uh, a medium that much, that's going to create a problem. Okay. So, I got you there, Claude in Ennerdale. Confidence in Bedford View. Yeah, yeah, that was trying to be short. Yeah, in the first place, I think uh, we should applaud the MEC Sophie for intervening and getting his hands dirty. The second thing is that uh, 
we should not see this. Uh, we should allow the problem of, of road report to be resolved uh, locally, but we also should understand that the problem that we are seeing at road report is an expression of the global problem that you find in many similar schools, even model schools. One of the solutions that has got to be that that should be embarked upon nationally is to get communities empowered in the areas where they live. Let the communities own the schools in areas where they live. Now, I would like to correct something, Sakina. Mm-hmm. We are talking about blacks and colors. For those of us who grew up from the culture of black consciousness, uh, we know very well that when we, were seeing, when we were talking about blacks, we were talking about Africans, colored, and Indians. Mm-hmm. So your emphasis of colors and blacks is in fact misinforming our communities. Thank you. Uh, thank you there, uh, Confidence. And I think, you know, um, for the purposes of uh, the debate, the discussion, I think that is how it actually has, uh, you know, been characterized along those lines. Uh, and also the reality is, you know, many people still hold on to those labels uh, from our apartheid past. And um, no malicious intent. It's just that. And that's what it is. Some of the SMSs, uh, this one says, solution, let the SGB do the choosing of the head. It's the job. Retired teacher writes that the department is arrogant and the community is just in fighting for their school. This one says, SK, it's not race. Uh, That school is in Davidsonville, which is a colored township and a predominantly Afrikaans speaking one. Many generations have attended that school. Anon in KZN says, Woodward Primary, pure black racism against coloreds this time and not whites. Blacks can't tolerate any other race. Wow. This one says, sounds like the government and SATA are interfering in the choice of head of the school. Uh, Tulas uh, GP says, I've lived in Rudaput and I've experienced how colored people are racist towards black people. It's clear that they don't want to be ruled by a black principal. KB says, a focus on district offices is needed. Sometimes inspectors force principals uh, to employ these educators who are on permanent sick leave. Eddie says, uh, maybe we must call PJ Powers and sing the right to learn to the ears of those who are disturbing education of our beautiful children and then Sam in Kajiso says there's a former deputy principal at Busele Primary School in Kajiso Mrs. Rebecca Motsobane whose documents were removed from her application as well in 1999 and then this one says, racism at its best. I thought coloreds and Africans are cousins and all proudly South African. Sakina, can you give us the background story to Rodapur Primary School, says Phil in Elam. Phil, I hope that you've pieced it all together by now. And, um, you know, let's just get a closing word there from Louise, from everything that you've heard this morning. Louise, what's the way forward? So education is our nation's most important uh, thing to focus on. And we need to get ourselves organized so that we address the root issues. Every school that works well has a school principal that knows their job. And so I think it's starting to become there's an awareness around that. But then that principle needs to be supported by a strong and competent school governing body. Too many parents are sitting back and leaving it to other people. If they want these children to be in a good school and that school to be governed well, get on that school governing body, be involved, support the principal, support the teachers, do your piece because the principals and the teachers cannot do it on their own. And then the most, a very important thing that, that's come out um, today, this morning is around language. We have 
many, many, many different languages. In some of our schools, we have 17 languages in one class. It is not possible for us to hold on to our individual languages. We are going to have to have English as a, a common language and then support that common language with home language. And there are all sorts of creative ways to do this. But this current thing where every community wants to hold on to my language and my this and my that is going to kill this country. So if we care about the future of our country, we're going to have to start to be, to be willing to meet each other in the middle and to compromise a little bit for, the, for our children. We're not doing it for ourselves. We're doing it because it's the right thing for our children. Well, Louise, uh, thank you so much for your time this morning. That was Louise van Rijn, who is the founder and CEO of Symphonia for South Africa. And um, Jacques Dienkamp, our reporter, is on the scene in Rodeport at Rodeport Primary, and he'll be keeping you up to date. You can follow him on Twitter at Jacques Dienkamp. Thanks so much for your participation. It's nine o'clock. Time for news with Kumbuzile Tabete.